0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, September the 30th, 2023. It is currently 1044 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where if I'm being honest with you, if I'm being honest with you, what I should be doing right now in this studio is I should be turning off the light behind me. I should be shutting down the computer. I should be putting away all my books are at least packing everything for tomorrow. Tomorrow is Sunday. I have three hours of teaching to do tomorrow, right? I got uh, what at least two hours on dispensationalism, and then we start our series on the tabernacle. So I got plenty to do tomorrow. So what I should be doing is packing everything up, getting everything ready, and I probably should go to bed and get some sleep. But you know what happens whenever I walk up to the studio, or actually it can happen anytime anything is in front of me that has words on it, a newspaper, a book, a magazine. When I see it, I, I pick it up. And I don't know why, but my Bible was open up here and it just happened to be open to Genesis chapter eight. It just happened to be open to Genesis chapter eight. And so I just, I I was, I think I was literally getting ready to, uh I think I was literally getting ready to uh, I, I think I was literally getting ready to shut down the computer. I think is what I was getting ready to do. Um, hang on one second. I have um, people calling me. All right. At this t- hour and night, I have people calling me. All right. So I, I'm sorry for the distraction. I think I was getting ready to shut uh, shut everything down. And um, all of a sudden I looked down and I saw my Bible and I read these words and I read these words. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God remembered Noah. And God remembered Noah. I'm like, wow, uh, okay, I've read that a million times, but all of a sudden it's just one of those situations where all of a sudden it's like it jumps, it jumped off the page and it it slapped me. I I use that uh, illustration all the time. You know how that works works? Sometimes you've read a passage 10, 15, 20, 30 times, but all of a sudden I read it tonight and it it hit me. And um I was like, "Whoa, that how, what do I do with that? What what do I what do I how do I process that?" So I just started kind of thinking about it and and I'm not really formulating a specific idea. And then I started kind of expanding it. And I started thinking about this and I started thinking about that. And I'm like, oh, I could probably turn this into something. But I still don't have it all figured out. But I'm like, well, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about being a podcaster. That's one of the beautiful things about technology is I could sit here in this room and just talk to myself about it, right? I could be like, well, Genesis chapter eight, okay. okay, What's where Where does this verse fit in? And what do we, does this phrase have any connection to the overall narrative? Is it the key to the entire narrative, right? And I started asking these questions. Is this idea of God remembering, is it more of a literary concept? Is it more of a, is it more of a, how can I say it? It's a literary concept. It's a literary idea that helps some of these narratives it's really the the connecting point or the or the or the thing that holds it all together in some cases, almost like a a literary style. It's almost like a literary concept that's being utilized or a literary tool. Maybe that's a good way of using it, that a writer would possibly use this idea to put together or to pull together a narrative where you have kind of this part of the narrative and then you have what comes after. And the thing that sits in the middle is this idea that God remembers. And I started thinking, I wonder I wonder if that's true. So I started thinking about it from a, like a literary textual standpoint. And then I just started thinking about it more from a like personal standpoint and what it means. So we're just going to throw out some thoughts on this uh, late night episode. But before we do, before we do, all right, I, I'm just going to let you know, I'm going to have to get distracted for a minute. All right. I'm going to have to get uh, distracted because I'm gonna, I've got to let my daughter know that I will call her back in a minute. All right, I apologize. Okay, there we go. All right, I apologize for that, but it's hard to type while you're talking. I probably could have pulled it off, but I probably then as soon as I got done typing, I would not have known what I was actually saying to you. So I apologize. All right, so here we go. I wasn't expecting a phone call this late. All right, here we go. All right. I don't think if for some reason I get a message back that it's an emergency, then obviously we'll just have to end the broadcast and I'll delete it, obviously. So don't think you're like, wait, he's going to broadcast when there could be an emergency. I don't think it's an emergency. It's just just everyone knows I stay up late. So they think they can call me at any any point in the time, which is relatively true. All right. So. All right. And typically it's about absolutely nothing. Okay. But that's okay. That's, that's, that's one of the wonderful, beautiful things. When you never sleep, you really have, you know, multiple, you have one day you can really do, uh, you can really live two days within a 24 hour period, right? Because everyone else just only lives half of that day. You get the full day. So it's like living two full days. All right. But I I digress. Let's not talk about that, but let's do talk about this idea. All right. So when you read your Bible, and you see the phrase, God remembers. I personally, just just personally, how do you react to that phrase? How do you react to it? At least for me. When I read the Bible, I react to things, right? I talk back to the text. I I kind of argue with it. I struggle with it. I may get it. I may get excited with. It. Like I I I really engage the the text. I'm like I'm very. It's interactive with me, right? A, a lot of times when I'm read, I pace back and forth, and I'm like. You know, and so there's, you know, like, like, I may say something like, I can see the phrase, and God remembers, and I, and look, you may, you may not like that I do this, and you may disagree, but I'll say something like, well, about time, where have you been? Right? And, and it's not that I'm trying to be, I'm not trying to be in any way disrespectful. It's not anything stated in a negative way. It's just, I'm reading the text. I'm getting into the story. And sometimes I'm like, well, where? You know, God, where have you been? Why, why did it take you this long to remember? And then other times I'll be like, oh, then that beautiful? God remembers. And then I'll be like, well, wait a minute. If God remembers, does that mean he forgets? And then so then I'll just start asking these questions. And I struggle with the text. I engage the text that way. And I challenge you to. I, I challenge you to really, when you read it, live it. Live in it. Feel it. Experience it. It's not just you know, dead words on a page. The the Bible is living. It's active. It's alive, right? It's the word of God. So interact with it. I think some people just feel like we're just supposed to read it and just, you know, Amen. It's the word of God. and just and, But it's, it's the word of God, yes. And so we should show reverence and respect to it. But it doesn't mean that we still don't have, we don't interact with it. We don't have feelings and emotions. Be honest with them. There's times I'm like, I don't understand this. So whenever I read and God remembers, I, the first thing I, I usually do, the first thing when I read this, I typically would say something along the lines, well, I mean, obviously he doesn't forget. So it can't mean, it's, it can't mean like, you know, 10 days had passed, 20 days had passed, 40 days had passed, 10 years had passed. And all of a sudden God was like, oh no, I forgot about, I forgot about Noah, or I forgot about Abraham, or I forgot about Israel, or I forgot about Mo." Oh man, I, I, I complete. I'm so glad I remembered. We know it's not like that because God is all knowing, So we know it can't insinuate in any way, shape, or form that God forgot and all of a sudden – it cannot mean that. In fact, I cannot be dogmatic about this. I cannot be dogmatic. I would challenge you to look up every time, every, every place you can find where it says God remembers and God remembered, or God remembers, right? Every time, and I would challenge you to look them all up. I cannot, now remember, I I cannot be dogmatic about this. This is just me sitting in my studio processing this. This is not a worked out, complete study. This is just me inviting you to kind of talk this through. It feels to me, just from my memory, that typically this phrase shows up in a longer narrative, and it's in the and in, in kind of the middle, which I kind of uh, uh, kind of mentioned there in the opening here, in, in my kind of introduction. That is this kind of a literary technique, right? Because it seems like there's a longer narrative, and then right in the middle of the narrative, boom, God remembers, seemingly to connect what came before and what comes after, and what comes before. And many of these situations, I cannot say all of them, but it feels like over and over and over, there is a period of time where there is suffering, judgment, trial, tribulation, something is going on. And then it says, God remembers. Now it doesn't mean that God had forgotten the person. It seems to indicate that God has this, this situation has been going on for whatever reason, whether it's judgment, trial, whatever. Sometimes we don't know why God is doing what he's doing. And sometimes we, we definitely in many cases are not given the information to, to what he's thinking. He's God. And, but there seems to be times where it's there's some kind of trial, there's some kind of difficult, and then when it says God remembers, it's not a, that again. It's not that He has forgotten because He's all knowing. He's omniscient. He He knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything actual and ever and even everything possible. He is all knowing. We do not believe in an open theistic view of God learning or not knowing all things. We re- I reject that outright. God is all knowing. So it seems when the text uses the phrase, God remembers, it seems to indicate now God is about to act. God is about to engage. He's about to do something. And it's not that he's forgot it's it's almost as if like hey 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 it's almost using it in a in a way that we can relate to God describing a, a God in a way which we can understand and all it really indicates is that God has he never forgot you he he's been there but now God is going to engage let me let me just try to give you at least 3 examples and I'm not sure that these work and this is just from from memory but obviously in Genesis 8 we know what's going on, right? Because if you go back, we know Genesis 6. There's wickedness, there's sin everywhere, right? And every, and and look and, and it says uh if if we can find it verse uh, Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually there's all there's this sin there is corruption and then there's judgment with a global flood Right? There's this global flood. And in verse 21, and all the flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts. This is uh, Genesis 7, 21, I apologize. And all the flesh died. And, And it talks about all this destruction. And the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Now, we know God Tells Noah to build an ark and him and his family is in that ark. And while they're in it, outside of the ark, there is death. There is destruction. There is chaos. And they're in the ark. Day after day after day after day after day. But there was a period of destruction. And then all of a sudden in Genesis chapter eight, and God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. Now, please note that falls like right in the middle of the narrative. The narrative is there's this, there's sin. Then there's judgment and there's chaos and there's destruction. And then all of a sudden God comes back in and like, "Hey, hey, I haven't forgotten you. Now, it's not that he forgot, but it's, it's 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 using it in a human way, right? It's using it in a way so that we can relate. God is basically saying, Look, I never forgot you, and I'm now going to step in. And he's going to do something. And look at immediately what happens. God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the, the cattle that was with him and the ark, and God made a wind. God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters immediately. God engages, God does something. I remember, and then God does something. I remember, God remembers, and then he He does something. He immediately begins to, to, to work to remove the waters from the face of the earth, or to at least have them go back to their boundaries, per se, so that the earth, the whole earth will not be covered in a flood. Now, the same idea, I I feel like it appears, I feel like it also appears, I feel, uh, and I believe, is it is it Genesis 19? I believe it's Genesis 19. I believe it's Genesis 19. I believe it's Genesis 19. So we have Genesis 8.1, Genesis 19, and we'll have to work these out a little bit more, all right? Now, And Genesis 19, you now know we're right there in the midst of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? We're right there in the midst of that story, okay? We have sin once again, and then great judgment is coming upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Horrible things have happened. Horrible things have gone down. And then I believe it's chapter, is it 29 or chapter 19, is it verse 29, Look at uh, Genesis 19, verse 28, and he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the plain and behold and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he had overthrown the cities in which Lot dwelt. Now immediately you have, you have sin, you have destruction, and then God remembers and then immediately God is doing something. He is sending Lot to Abraham. Whom he has remembered. He has remembered him. The, once again, you it's almost like a literary device. It's almost like a literary, like, hey, all chaos, just wait for it, wait for it. And like, you're like, this is horrible. Cities are burning. People are dying. This is horrible. This, and God remembers. Like, it's like right in the middle of the destruction that God remembers, showing you that no matter what it looks like, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances may be, no matter what one may feel, God has not for, it says he remembers. It just means God is there. Now, whenever he's ready, he steps in and then he will act to change it from the destruction to something different. From the worldwide flood, well, to the ark coming to rest on land, right? For, from the destruction of Sodom, and Gomorrah, to a lot and Abra- Abraham, and then life continues. It goes from death to life, from destruction and chaos to, to back to something different. It's it, it it signifies a major turning point in the narrative. I think there's another example of this, or at, at least I think so. Um is it Exodus? Is it Exodus? Well, see, I don't know if this one's gonna work. Maybe this one will work. I don't know. Let's go to Exodus. I'm not, I'm not positive that this one will work. This one may not work. Exodus chapter two. All right. All right. Well, in verse, well, in a roundabout way, I think this is the same thing is going to happen. Okay. So we know at leading up to this point in Exodus, um, if we kind of go back, now, uh we find, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. Okay, I see here. Well, in and, and the beginning of Exodus, Israel is in Egypt. We definitely know that. We definitely know that. And then in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it came to pass that when... Uh, there falleth out any war. They join also unto our enemies and fight against us and go them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens and they built for Pharaoh treasured cities. All right, so immediately we see Israel being in bondage. Once again, we have, we have trial, we have tribulation, we have suffering, we have death. We know some of the things going on in the midst of that. And then once again, you have that going on it looks horrible. It looks where And then all of a sudden, look what happens. Look what happens and verse 24, Exodus 2:24. Uh, Exodus 2, 24, and God heard their groanings and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Now, immediately in the next, in chapter three, you have the call of Moses from the burning bush. God steps in. They're suffering. They're in bondage. And then God steps in and then God steps in and then he calls Moses. Moses. Now, we know it takes a while before the exodus to actually occur. You can figure out the time. But those are three stories. We have we have the flood, and then God remembers. We have the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. God remembers. We have Israel and bondage, and God remembers. Now, I'm not saying every single time it works out this perfectly, but it seems that, oh, that at least three times, if you can find more, great. But it seems that this is a, almost a literary device that's like, here's the narrative, suffering, suffering, suffering. And when you're reading it, if you really allow yourself to feel the story, you're like, man, can this situation get any worse? Where is God? God, where, where are you? Where, these people are suffering. These people are trapped in a boat. Are they ever going to get out of it or trapped in an ark or they're in bondage? These are your people. You made a covenant with Abraham. Where? And in every single time when the story looks dark, when it looks bad, God remembers. Not that he ever forgot. But obviously in God's sovereignty and his plan and his eternal decree, he allows this and then God steps in. Why? Why does he wait? I don't know. I have no idea why. We're not always given that explanation to why, but at some point he remembers. And, and we, what we can take from that is that we cannot at any point in time ever, ever look at our circumstances and then, and then judge God based off our circumstances because God, we can't ever come to the conclusion. I should say it this way. We can never come to the conclusion that God has forgotten us in the midst of any situation because God never forgets. Now, It may mean that there's going to be a prolonged period of suffering. It may mean there'll be a prolonged period of, of judgment. It may, who knows how long, but at some point God will remember. Now I believe it also. I think I think it's stated over and over and over. I think most of the time when you read, at least in the Old Testament, I think most of the time when it says He remembers, yeah, He remembers His covenant. He remembers His covenant. He remembers His covenant with Israel. He remembers His covenant with Israel. And I believe he, God has not ever forgotten that covenant and will fulfill that covenant. That gets into our whole discussion about dispensationalism versus, say, a different form of, of, of uh, a system. But I don't believe God is will ever forget that. But guess what? He hasn't forgotten us and our promises that he's made to us that are specific to us. God remembers. It seems the pattern is something happens, whether it's sin, tragedy, trial, tribulation. Then there's a period of time God remembers. Then God acts. God does the action. Then there's a change but it begins with God remembering. It's not that he had forgotten. It just then demonstrates that, hey, I've been right here. Now I'm going to engage. God engages in his time, in his way, whenever he wants. Now, I don't know if that pattern works all the time. I don't know if it works all the time, but I want you to think about tonight, whenever you read those phrases, God remembers, and you should look them all up. It's used frequently i don't i don't have a number in front of me those three places it reminds me genesis 8 uh, genesis 19 uh, 29 and in exodus chapter 2 is that where 23 24 25 somewhere along those lines those three passages start at least developing a pa- the pattern and i think the first time we read god remembers is genesis 8 now i know The principle of first usage, some people make a big deal out of that hermeneutically, some people don't. But it is interesting that the first usage does have this narrative, and then right in the middle of the narrative, you have this phrase. Now, it's something we can investigate. And if you investigate it, you email me as soon as you discover whatever we discover, and you can email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. But it does seem to set up a pattern that can happen for God's people. We can find ourselves in the midst of a time of pain, suffering, trial, tribulation, judgment. And it may feel like God's not there. It may feel like where is God, but God has not forgotten. I don't know when, I don't know where, and I don't know how. But if God has made promises, I know this, he hasn't forgotten those promises and he will fulfill those promises because at some point, God, it will, God, in a sense, figuratively speaking, God will remember, not that he has forgotten, but then he remembers in a sense that he's like, I'm right here. And then he steps in and he will fulfill that promise or act in the way that's according to his will, not according to our will, but his will. And sometimes it can take a long time. Now, what we, get, what we get frustrated with is, why the time? Why is this going on in the meantime? Why? Could that just end? I will never understand the in-between. I don't understand. I don't understand. Now, sometimes it's specifically because of sin. That makes a little bit more sense. Now, in many cases, God could have done something to prevent the sin. We could get into a whole never-ending philosophical discussion. But, but it ha- and then God remembers. God remembers. Now, you can see if that pattern holds true. right? Three times doesn't prove a hermeneutical principle, right? So my hypothesis here doesn't mean anything. It's just a wild, late night hypothesis. But it's something I want you to think and I want you to meditate on. And you can tell me what you think. God remembers. Now, there's some things he forgets, right? He doesn't remember our sin. He forgets our sin. Now, that's in a sense that he puts it away because it's covered by the blood of Christ. That's a whole different story and thing that we could talk about still dealing with God remembers and and how God will forget our sin. That not and what's interesting is that specifically that passage that promises more for Israel. It's in Jeremiah 31 it shows up in Hebrews 8 which is a reference back to the new covenant which was made with Israel. That gets into a whole different uh, discussion. But but for now, God remembers. Find all the places See what you think about my late night thought may turn out to be nothing, may not be anything, but I do believe in Genesis eight, Genesis 19 and Exodus two, all three times. I believe that God remembers statement is like the, the central, it's like the, the main point, or not the, it's like the the point that holds everything together. It's like the linchpin to the narrative. It's like the, it's like the, the hinge that turns the whole narrative. It's the thing that holds it together. There's all of this stuff, and then God remembers, and then it's different. God, and in, in every situation, immediately after he said God remembers, he acts. All right, news if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening to a very, very, very impromptu late night episode where there were countless interruptions, and I do apologize for that. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen when you go live. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.